Hey, I'm Nicole, your host of the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. On this show, we're going to be talking tangible action that you can take in order to achieve the life you thought was only achievable after retirement. Everything you want now in life, you can have it. Will it take hard work, patience, and uncomfortable growth? You bet it will, but it will be so worth it. On this show, we will be deep diving into the topics of lifestyle design, travel, entrepreneurship, and everything in between. I myself am a global citizen and world traveler who left my home country and conventional lifestyle behind for a life of adventure and following my passions. And that's exactly what I want for you. It's your time to love your work, build your wealth, and create the lifestyle you've always dreamed of. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. On today's episode, I have Jennifer, and Jennifer is going to chat to us all about citizenship in a very specific country that she absolutely adores, and tell us more about her travels around the world and where she has ended up today. So Jennifer is the founder of Italian Citizenship Concierge. She is a single mother of two amazing adults, an entrepreneur, and a slow traveler. Now, there is a lot to unpack in that, Jennifer. So why don't you start by telling us more about yourself, your story, how you got started, where you started, and how that got you to where you are today. Absolutely. Thank you, Nicole. Um, It's a pleasure to be here today. So I am originally from the Midwest, um, what we consider flyover country, beautiful downtown St. Louis, um, Missouri. So growing up in Missouri, I grew up in this beautiful, big Italian family, um, knowing that I had these Italian roots and listening to the stories of my grandmother, who had never actually been in Italy, talk about the old country. And it was just this methodical, crazy place that sounded wonderful between the food, the people, the sea, the sun, the fishing. It just something that captivated my heart. And it wasn't until I was 45 years old that I was talking to a friend one day randomly during grad school and found out she had just been recognized as an Italian citizen. And my ears perked up immediately. Um, I wanted to know everything about this. Um, So that was about 2015, 2016 when that happened. So immediately I went home I logged into Ancestry.com and started searching. And soon I was down a rabbit hole. Many, many months later, I emerged and went, oh my goodness, way too much, completely confused. I'm going to need help on this. So set everything aside, went back to real life, finishing school. And eventually I picked back up. When I was ready to leave the U.S., um, this was 2017. I had just went through um, a divorce. I had a short-term marriage kind of as my children were teens. And when we got divorced, I thought, you know, this is, this is my chance. I was a young mother. My children were not launched. My son had finished graduate school. My daughter was entering graduate school. And I was ready for something new. So Italian citizenship looked like the perfect opportunity for me to move to this beautiful, methodical place um, that I had been dreaming of my whole life. 
But life has a way of um, taking you in different directions sometimes. And my first stop was actually Shanghai, China, which I think, Nicole, you've also lived in China, if I remember correctly. So off to China, I went for one year and my plan was to teach English. However, I am not an English teacher and that lasted all of four days, (laughs) but I quickly, quickly found myself Um, teaching business and economics in China for three years. COVID happened, as we all know, slowed things down. And I was finally at the end of 2020, Christmas Day to be exact, 2020, I left China, boarded a plane and headed to Europe. And from there, I really started to get serious about getting my Italian citizenship. First step, finding a home in Italy. And that is where it all started. And my life changed from that moment on. And two years later, I'm not looking back. Wow. So that is quite the journey, quite the story. Thank you for sharing that with us. So I'm curious when you got your feet on the ground in Italy, maybe you had been there a few times before, maybe you had never been there before. Where do you even start? You're so overwhelmed by this process of potentially obtaining a citizenship and you don't have a place to stay. So where where did you really start and make sense of everything that was coming at you in life at the time? Exactly. It's absolutely overwhelming. So coming from China at that point, um, I did not have housing arranged. I had no idea what I was going to do. So I was, you know, of course, like everybody scouring social media groups. I was listening to every podcast I possibly could. I was reading every wiki, trying to figure out how I'm going to get through this process. When it dawned on me, I've been to Sicily. I've been to Italy many times. I've met people. We've continued chatting on Facebook and following each other. And so I I just... I wrote up um, a cold email and started copying and pasting it to all of those Facebook friends. And very quickly, I started having responses from different Italians saying, yeah, come to Italy. Sure, we'll host you. We'll help you with this. No problem. We'd love to have another Italian citizen. This is great. We're really excited. And so that's how I did it. Um, I made the initial contact on March 15th. And by March 20th, I was on a plane, landed in Italy. And March 26th, I filed my first piece of paper towards residency in Italy. So wow, not for the faint of heart. I do not recommend this for anyone. It was, it really takes a very certain personality to just throw your life out into the wild and let someone pick it up and run with it. Um, And that is what I did. I had this amazing Sicilian friend who we had actually never met in person. We had just been corresponding um, back and forth. He was a tour designer who I tried to hire to take me on a tour a few years earlier. And our dating didn't work out. So soon... I was living in his house. I was eating his food, drinking his coffee. (laughs) And for three months, hanging out um, as his house guest, applying for my citizenship. Um, You know, again, I mean, I cannot say to people like, you know, when you come for this process, it is 
it is wild. Um, all of the best intentions of my planning were thrown out the door and I went with it. Wow. I love that. And I feel like that always happens is you can plan everything to a T, but in traveling and in life, it will never go as planned. And I think it's being aware of that and almost expecting that to happen and just knowing that whatever does happen is going to be beautiful and it is going to all work out in the end. But in the process, it might look a little bit messy. (laughs) It does. It does. I mean, there was a great story of Um, One of my favorite periods during that time was I was here during COVID restrictions and we were on Zona Rosa, red zone lockdown, which meant I could not leave this tiny town of 1,800 people without permission. I had just come from Shanghai, 24 million people. So I'm getting a little stir crazy. And by the end of month two, restrictions were starting to lift. And I said to my friend, I'm like, I got to get out of this town. You have to take me somewhere. Where where can you take me? And he said, great, grab your swimsuit. We're going to go to the beach. He sent a friend to pick me up, drove me two and a half hours to the beach. Now, driving past the beach was only 30 minutes. There was a beach 30 minutes away. We drove past that beach, kept driving, found another beach. I got to the beach. They said, great, enjoy your afternoon. We'll be back to pick you up at the end of the week. The end of the week. End of the week. I had just started a new job. I had my laptop with me, thank goodness. And I brought a clean change of clothes because I thought I'll be wet after the beach. I'm going to want something fresh to put on. This was on Monday, (laughs) end of the week, Thursday, Friday. I'm messaging my friend. Hey, you picking me up? What's going on? Yeah, I'm going to pick you up. We'll be there on Monday. (laughs) I got picked up on Monday. And then immediately thrown into a car and driven around for an entire tour of Sicily. We circled the entire exterior of the island beachside for the next 10 days. My 24-hour or, you know, one afternoon at the beach trip, I got home two and a half weeks later. Oh, my goodness. It's the best preparation (laughs) It's the best way I can explain. When you come when you come for your citizenship, be open to opportunities and just say yes. Because the most amazing things will happen. We toured the most beautiful beaches, beautiful, clear, turquoise blue water, white sand beaches. I saw Mount Etna. We went to this fabulous, crazy bar called Bar Touristy, which I recommend everyone look up because it's the most amazing bar ever. And it's at the very top of a mountain, up in the clouds. Really wonderful. This is this is the kind of things that happen when you come to Italy for your citizenship if you're open. If you're open and if you just say yes. Um, wow, that is quite the tale. Um, maybe a very good representation of Italy and what it's like to come. You go for the afternoon and two weeks later you get home and it's an adventure. <laughs> So you have, since being in Italy, have started an amazing business. Now, tell us a little bit about how creating the business came about. And then, of course, what you started and what you're so passionate doing every day. Sure. So while I was doing, while I was in my process, I had that two-month lull that I had nothing to do. I was in a town of 1,800 people, 
bored out of my mind. I was doing my tech job, you know, and, and trying to figure out what was I going to do with myself to keep busy? So of course, you know, I'm on social media. There were a few other crazy people like me that were in Italy applying for their citizenship and I was having success. And some of the people were running into roadblocks. And so we just counseled each other through, we shared tips, we shared tricks. Suddenly I was helping people relocate to my town. I was walking them through the process. Then they were telling friends who were still back in the States at different points in their, their pursuit, collecting documents, getting translations. And I just started counseling people. And that lasted, a, I guess, about seven, eight months. So I became recognized. I continued helping people. And by the end of the year, I decided, you know, there's a big void in the market for accessible help. Because what I had seen in the market and what I had experienced in the market was there were very formal attorneys who were going to take you through the process very cut and dry. It was going to be a very legal process. There wasn't a lot of fun in it. There was a lot of hurry up, go to an appointment, sit around, wait. Not a lot of camaraderie. Then there were the people like me that were trying to DIY it with information that we had found on the internet. And that led to a whole host of confusion, right? So, you know, what happens in one town in Italy, and let me back up, there are 8,000 different towns in Italy. There are 10 consulates in the United States. Then you have the consulates in the UK and Australia and all of the other countries that people immigrated to from Italy. Each one of those places has a different procedure and has different requirements for how to apply. And so during that first year while I was applying, and then when I had finished, I just dug in and started researching. I started helping people, asking them to write up, what is your experience? Give me a case study. What did your process look like? And let me figure out and crack the code to this. January of 2022, I officially formed a company and officially launched Italian Citizenship Concierge as an actual support company. And my goal always was to make this accessible and streamline this process as much as I possibly could. Because when you're looking for records, as you know, probably from Portugal, you can fall down a rabbit hole and just start researching. And suddenly you're reading about people in your family that's very, very interesting, but not going to support your goal of collecting the right information and the right documents. And so my focus was on, let's get the right documents. Let's get all of that legal stuff out of the way so we can focus on having that fun and getting kidnapped for two weeks on a grand (laughs) tour of an island. That's absolutely beautiful. Wow. Yeah. I love that you created something that you're truly passionate out of a need that you saw. And I think those are truly the best businesses because you are simplifying a process that I'm sure, especially if you don't speak Italian very fluently, uh, I know from firsthand experience in Portugal, but I'm sure the process in Italy is somewhat different to that. And it is 
very stressful, um, especially when you maybe want to start a new life or travel and live in Europe or in Italy and you just want that end goal, but you don't know how long it's even going to take if it could be 10 years or nine months. So I think that's really amazing that you started something that you have seen a need for in the international community. Definitely. And I think too, the big thing is you know, when people are seeking a second citizenship, most people are not doing that for bragging rights. There's there's an impetus behind it, right? So they have they have a reason behind this. They're ready for the next chapter of their life. And so you have all of these other things that are going on around you that you're dealing with, all of these emotions, all of these goals. So my my mission is to take one thing off of your plate and be the means to an end, right? My goal is to get you to the point where you can focus on the things that are really important to you, right? Because this is just a process. It's It looks like at the onset, a very difficult and tricky process, but when broken down into small pieces and very specific steps, it's not very difficult, mm-hmm. but it requires that focus that a lot of times, you know, my clients, my friends that come to me, they need to focus on other things. They're trying to tie up relationships. They're leaving their job. They're changing their job. They're focused on their family and what that's going to look like. So we try to take away one stressor to help them get to that point so that they can really focus on what's important, which is their new life and their new lifestyle. What an amazing mission. Um, all right. So I want to chat about something that I find very interesting, which is the fact that there are potentially more than 18 million people around the world who qualify to be an Italian citizen. So can you talk about who is eligible to get the Italian citizenship and why there are 18 million or more people who might be eligible for this? Absolutely. So Italy is a little different than the U.S. So Italy is called a Jure Sanguinis country, which means the right of blood. Meaning if you were born to an Italian, you are Italian. You may not be recognized by the country of Italy, but you have that Italian blood. Now, does that mean that you can use DNA to prove it? Unfortunately, no. What has to be done is you have to go through a process to document these life, major life events tracing you back to Italy for recognition. We are Italian citizens by birth. Italy just doesn't know we exist. Versus mm-hmm. the United States, which is Jure Soli, meaning anyone born on the land of the United States becomes American. I almost mm-hmm. said Italian. Oh. <laughs> um, so, so it's a little bit different process um, for that. So if you are multiple generations removed from Italy, my example, my great grandparents were born in Italy in, 18, in the 1880s and 1890s. They emigrated to the United States in the early 1900s as teenagers. My great grandmother was 16 years old when she got on the boat to go to the United States. My great-grandfather was 19 when he moved. 
they moved to the United States and they did not actually become naturalized U.S. citizens until 40 years later. And the great thing about that is they needed to remain solely Italian citizens to pass on the right of citizenship to their children. And my great-grandparents were not special in that. Many, many Italians did this. Italy had three major waves of people leaving the country. Late 1800s, post-World War I, and post-World War II. All looking for opportunities in the new world. With the promise from the Italian government that they were Italians at birth and their children would be Italians at birth. Now, there's a couple of loopholes in there, but that's what's allowed over 18 million of us to be eligible to come back to reclaim our citizenship and be recognized by the Italian government. That process is a little bit different in other countries. Ireland, Portugal, Spain, Germany, France all have similar mechanisms in place to allow family members to come and be recognized. But Italy has one of the best Yurai um, Sanguinis programs because Italy, you can trace all the way back to the 1860s. So you're not limited by generations. Mm. I believe it's Ireland that it's your grandparents. Germany is parents. Portugal, I'm not sure you can talk to that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Portugal is grandparents. grandparents. Wow. Grandparents? In grandparents, yeah. grandparents, yeah. Yeah. So Italy, you can go back. Great, great grandparents. I've had clients that are great, great grandparents, great, great, great grandparents, three times great grandparents. It, it just, it's, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. You know, I mean, I grew up very American, um, you know, outside of my grandparents' house and enjoying all of the delicious food and hearing the stories and things like that, my family was very proud to be Americans. They did not even know this was a possibility, but it has been a possibility since Italy became a country in 1861. Wow, that is very eye-opening. And I'm sure some listeners are thinking, if I have an Italian background, maybe this is something I should look into. So check the show notes below if that is you. Um, But I'm curious. Now, of course, the documentation was very different 100 (laughs) or longer amount of years ago. So does the struggle then become, I know I'm entitled to the citizenship. However, getting that documentation is Mm -hmm. a barrier. Definitely. The documentation is can be a barrier, but more than a physical barrier, that documentation can be a mental barrier. Because the idea that you have to recreate all vital and civil life events from 120, 130, 140 years ago, that's daunting, right? Like, I have no idea. We looked for my grandmother and grandfather's marriage record. They were married in the 1930s. We looked for their marriage record for days, calling different counties, looking on Ancestry, looking on Family Search, trying to find these documents, finally figuring out where exactly they were married. Yes, the documents can be overwhelming, but there's some really great tools that 
since I went through the process myself that I've learned about to really streamline that process and find the right documents. And the great thing is there's plenty of people like me and my colleagues that focus on solely just finding these documents. So they know exactly the website. They know the person to call. They know where to get these documents. Don't let that be a barrier. It seems like a big barrier and it's a hassle and it can get expensive, you know, if you're hiring somebody to do it. But this is all something most people can do on their own, just like I did. Wow. Yeah, I know. Thankfully for me in Portugal, it was only going back a few generations. However, I have had friends and met others who know that they're entitled. I think it's very specifically usually a European citizenship. Um, know that somewhere down the line, they will be able to get that. But because of the hassle of the documents, it's just not even a thought in their mind. And they know that they will just never apply for that passport. So I think that is really interesting that you have within your business set up a network and created a system so that that can really be streamlined and that that in most cases, I'm sure is no longer becomes a barrier to entry of getting the Italian citizenship. Exactly. That's our goal is to remove that barrier to entry, but not only to remove that barrier to entry, but to make it accessible to as many people as possible. So mm -hmm. a big part of our mission is, look, when I went through this process on my own, I didn't do it on my own because I wanted to. I did it on my own because every service provider, every lawyer I talked to, it was a minimum of a $10,000 buy-in. I had just went through a divorce. I had just put two kids through college. I was quitting my job coming out of graduate school. I didn't have 10 cents to my name, much less $10,000. So what I have been really passionate about doing is making this accessible, making this affordable, breaking the system. And so we're doing that by helping people for half the price that every other service provider is out there doing it. And now our, the next step is we're going to open up our research. We're going to open up our books and offer a course to help people do this on your own. And we'll be there to guide you and support you along the way and hold your hand but we're not going to be in the appointments and the offices. So I want as many people, as many of those 18 million people to have the same opportunity I did. Because I mean, if you can see me right now, like I am ear to ear smile over, I live in Italy. I'm a citizen. I have healthcare. I have a beach at the end of my street. Like this is crazy. And so that's what we want to share with everybody is you can do this. It's possible. Wow, that's really commendable. Um, and to make that accessible to everybody who knows that that is something that they want in their life is absolutely amazing. So let's chat and take this in a little bit of a different direction. I am very curious your thoughts and the differences that you see between the Italian lifestyle, the Italian systems that are set in place after having lived there and been a citizen 
um, and how that compares to the U.S. and what you saw growing up. And that can be in terms of lifestyle, in terms of taxes, in terms of healthcare benefits. I know I'm sure that you have seen probably all of it within your time in extensive time in both countries. It's not like you were just a visitor in either one. So I think this is something that you can really speak to. So unload on this topic. I'm sure you have a lot to say. <laughs> Let's start with the easy stuff. Healthcare. Who doesn't want to go bankrupt to go to the doctor? Who is like, uh, do I eat this week and pay my rent? Or do I go ahead and fix that broken arm I've got hanging off the side of my body? Right? Um, look, let's be honest. In 2009, I lived in the U.S. I was married to somebody who had an amazing corporate job, had fantastic health insurance. You know, at the beginning of the year when we signed up for that health insurance, we bought the Cadillac package. It was fabulous. November of 2009, my intestine ruptured, and I ended up spending 15 days in the hospital. I ended up with co-pays, deductibles, out-of-pocket, extra cost for doctors that weren't in network. And, you know, very soon I found myself deciding, can I afford to pay over $25,000 medical fees, or do I need to declare bankruptcy? That is not a decision anyone should ever, ever have to make. Our healthcare is a right. We have, we sh should have the access to be healthy and not have to make these huge life decisions of, do I eat? Do I pay my mortgage? Or do I fix my body that just exploded? And I'm just really clear, this is with you having insurance from Absolutely. your partner. Oh, my gosh. Yes. My partner worked for a major engineering firm in the United States that had 65,000 employees. This was a corporate healthcare package that we paid for a family of four, $1,725 per month to participate in. Wow. I know oh my gosh. all of these numbers by heart because it still haunts me that I had to make these decisions. And now in Italy, I have since I've been able to access, I had brain surgery. I had an ovary removed. I've had my foot fixed. My out-of-pocket cost, zero. Absolutely zero. Through the taxes that I pay, I am covered <laughs> and given the right to healthcare. So let's talk about taxes, because this is a huge concern for people. What's all of this going to cost, right? So if I'm in the U.S. and I'm paying $1,700 a month, then I'm paying co-pays, deductibles, all of this stuff to have healthcare, plus I'm paying my employment taxes, I'm paying all of the different income taxes. When I get to Italy, what am I going to pay? Healthcare is a right of citizens. As a citizen, I have access to this healthcare. It is part of the taxes that I pay. But as a new resident, not a citizen, as a new resident to Italy, I am entitled to join several different tax schemes that are possible. The tax scheme that I chose is a 90% tax credit on my income, meaning if I make 
$10 per year, I pay taxes on is forgiven. My effective tax rate at this amount is 4.9%. That is a tax scheme that's perfect for people that are making $85,000 a year, or I'm sorry, 85,000 euros a year and above. If someone is making 85,000 euros or below, there is a flat tax scheme. Depending on the industry someone works, their flat tax will be between 5 and 15% for the first five years that they live in Italy, extendable up to 10 years if they purchase a house or have a child while living in Italy, and then can be extended beyond that through other programs. For people that are retiree age, that's not me. I'm not sure that that's your your audience, but there's also for retirees, flat tax schemes that are 7%. So when I was looking at where do I want to live, I considered Spain. I talked to a tax specialist. My tax rate was going to be over 43%. I'm a cheap motherfucker. Sorry. And (laughs) that was going to cut into my shoe money. That was going to cut into my travel money. So Italy was perfect for me because not only could I have health care that wasn't going to bankrupt me or put me in a position of making really hard life decisions, but also I was going to have more money in my pocket at the end of the day. I could live a grander life. I could have a better lifestyle by doing it this way. And I found you know, the healthcare in Italy, according to the WHO, is the second best healthcare system in the world. As someone who has degrees in public health, that's huge. When I look at health outcomes, and that is something I did by education and training, is to look at healthcare systems, accessibility to healthcare. And I look at Italy in comparison to the US, it's a joke. I mean, I'm just, we have great healthcare. I can run down the street, I've got a pharmacist on every corner. I've got doctors, even in my tiny town of 10,000 people. I've got a great doctor. I've got hospitals nearby. It's like the best healthcare system in the world. And it's all accessible to me as both a resident and a citizen. That extends to the rest of the EU. Because I have my, my European passport now, I have access to healthcare in other countries. So if I want to establish myself in Spain, I want to establish myself in Portugal, I'm going to have access to their healthcare systems too. Never again will I have to worry about healthcare bankrupting me. Wow. And then, what? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, what a freeing feeling that must be coming from the most expensive healthcare system in the world to knowing that you now have what is it, 26 countries that you have access to their healthcare and you really do trust the Italian system's healthcare too. Yeah, I mean, I think the healthcare system here has been amazing. Even for my little dog, I have an epileptic dog. (laughs) Even the veterinarian care that my dog has been given here versus other countries that, that we went to. The dignity, I think that's the biggest thing, is you're treated with dignity. When I go into the hospital, 
there's no question of, you know, I remember going into the hospital in the U.S. and before the doctor would even see me, somebody would wheel into the emergency room with a laptop on a cart, very official, and say, hi, I'm here to get your payment information. The first time I went to the doctor here, I had to go to the emergency room. And I go and I register myself. I fuddle my way through the system um, of getting checked in. The doctor sees me. They send me for an x-ray. They do a couple different things. And at the end, he's like, okay, good. Here's, you know, here's your orders. Here's your medicine. Okay, goodbye. And I just keep sitting there. And finally, a nurse comes back in. She's like, why are you here? Like, well, I'm, I'm waiting to pay my bill. <laughs> She's like, get the hell out of here. Go away. There's no bill. You don't need to pay anything. We're just, we're so brainwashed about the cost of medical care. The difference of, I can buy a prescription drug here for two euros that in the U.S. is going to cost me 40, 50, 60 euros. It, it's insane. And, and so that leads to this lifestyle, right? Because now I have a lifestyle where I'm paying less in taxes. I have more benefits in healthcare. I'm healthier because I'm going to the doctor when I get sick, when I have a problem. You know, I'm investing in myself, in my mental, physical, and spiritual health with the savings in my tax. I can afford to live down the street from the sea at the base of the mountains. I can travel. I can, I can do the things that I want without killing myself, without having to make those just life and death decisions of where do I invest my money? Instead, it's where do I invest my time? Do I want to get kidnapped for two weeks and go around the island or do I want to go to the beach? I have choices, which I never had before. Wow, that's really interesting that you bring that up. And thank you for sharing all of that. This has been very insightful. Um, but I like that you bring up the fact that you now are able to have a choice in what you want your life to look like. And in not only America, but a lot of um, Western countries, I feel like we are very, like you said, brainwashed into thinking that this is the way that life has to look. And if I do get sick, then very well, myself and my family and my estate may be bankrupt. And that's just kind of the way that unfortunately, but the way that life has started to be viewed because that is just life for so many people and they don't realize that there is another alternative out there. What I like to call it is lifestyle design is that you are able to really design your lifestyle around what you want it to look like. You don't have to go through the motions of what you think a good life looks like until you die unhappy. Exactly. I mean, I look at, I look at my friends, I look at my grandma. My grandmother was a perfect example of someone who needed a lifestyle design. My grandmother spent her entire life planning for someday. She bought clothes for when she was going to lose weight. She bought housewares for the big house she would someday have. She bought suitcases and handbags and beautiful wraps and coats for the trip she was going to take. And she passed away at 85 never having realized any of those things. 
And I think that is something that really has stuck with me that you get one chance at this. You live every single day. You only die once. What are you going to do until that day you die? Are you going to live the life that you want or the life that society, your family, your friends has decided is right for you? And you'll get pushback. (laughs) Have you gotten pushback? Because I definitely have about living this sort of nomadic traveler life that doesn't fit the two family, white picket fence, minivan in the driveway or SUV in the driveway lifestyle idea that we have. But I think the world has opened, especially post-COVID. What I what I have seen from the people that I've interacted with post-COVID is a lot of people have stepped back and said, wait a second, this isn't working for me. I know I want to be living somewhere different, but I don't know how to get there. And maybe that somewhere different is just down the street, but it's it's that different mindset. I don't want to keep living the way I am. I don't want to keep working 80 hours a week and being a slave to a job that I don't like. I don't want to have this big lawn that I'm always cutting or, you know, all of these things that we think we're supposed to do. And so stepping back and really designing that life that works for you, it it can be scary, but it can be the most rewarding thing you've ever done for yourself. Absolutely. I was a social worker by education and we always talked about you know, um, living your true self and and helping people find that place and supporting them to get to that place that they want. And that's what I like to, to think and design for myself. I want to live that, that practice. Absolutely. And I think that you embody that perfectly. Honestly, you are doing what you want. And you know, there there will always be pushback. And I think that is something that you have to realize when you are thinking that you want a lifestyle that maybe is a little bit untraditional or maybe a lot untraditional is that there will always be the people who have that traditional mindset, which is absolutely okay if that's what they want to do. But I don't want to live my lifestyle based on what you think I should want, because I know that there is so much else. There's so much more out there that is for me instead of just staying in one city or one country or one government and tax system, healthcare system. There's so much more out there. There is. And it's it's nice that if we can respect each other, right? You know, I know for my siblings, a lot of my friends, they're my base. They're going to always be back in St. Louis. They're never leaving. They're going to have the same jobs. They're going to live in the same house. And that's perfect for them. And to me, that's very comforting because it gives me that base to go back to. But when they want a little adventure, they know I'm the girl to call, right? They know I'm the person to call because I'm going to pick them up at the airport and I'm going to drag them all around and we're going to have a hell of a time. And then I'm going to throw them back on the bus and they're going to ship back to the U.S. It's, It's about embracing our differences and finding what is right for us. Yeah, I completely agree with that. You know, I always say I 
I do what I want in life. And I know that there will be people who want that traditional life. And I'm like, that is amazing. If you are doing that and you are truly happy doing that every single day, awesome. I am happy for you. And I'm finding that happiness in another way, but there is not just one way to do things. And I think that's the beautiful thing. Otherwise, this world would be no fun if we all just did the same thing. Exactly. And that's why it's beautiful that there's people like you who are opening the conversation to people who are thinking, I have this traditional life. Am I happy? I'm not sure. Maybe there is something else. And so by you opening up and having these conversations, it's, it's opening people's possibilities. It's, it's tapping into those long lost dreams, right? You know, those things that we had as little, little kids of, Oh, someday I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to be the president. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do all these things. People like you and I can can be those gatekeepers and help people, you know, show them the way. And we lead them with with all our, our mistakes. I mean, how many mistakes have you made? How hard has it been, right? Totally. That's- yeah, I completely agree. That's a great way to look at it. <clears throat> so to start wrapping up, is there anything else that you want to share with the audience that is really important or just something that you want to share to wrap everything up within your business, within your travels, within your life experiences, and then definitely let us know where we can all find you online as well. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, we're two different, very different age groups, right? I just turned 50. Look, you're never too late. My parents are in their seventies. My mom was recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's. My parents have been listening to my stories of traveling and living abroad. My father told me a couple of weeks ago, I want to move to Italy. My father's not Italian. It's my mother who's Italian. My dad's like, I want this. I want to be able to go to the sea every morning. I want to be able to sip, sip coffee under the mountains. You're never too old to do this. You're never too young to do this. Follow your passions. Follow your dreams and get Surround yourself with support because doing this on your own is hard. And there's those of us who have done it and we're here to help. And so reach out, reach out to Nicole, reach out to me, reach out to whoever you need to support you and guide you along that way and close off, close your ears to the naysayers. It doesn't work. Don't listen to them. You know what's best for you. So, And they will always be there, the naysayers. Yeah. Let's, let's talk. Let's, you know, figure out the way that you can get there. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show, Jennifer. All of her links are down below. If you know that you're one of those 18 million or you think you might be, reach out to her. It is so, so worth it. And you and I can both say from experience to have a second passport and to just have a backup almost, it feels like as well. If anything goes wrong in your country or things change because things can always very easily change, it's good to have that backup. And of course, it's great to have that lifestyle as well. If you know that you are wanting another lifestyle and the Italian one is for you. Wow, what an episode. Jennifer, thank you for being on the show. And I hope that you learned quite a bit about the Italian system for healthcare, for taxes, and perhaps you yourself are eligible to get an Italian passport in the future. 
If you know that's you, or if you are thinking you might be one of those 18 million who are eligible, definitely check the show notes, reach out to Jennifer, and see if getting the Italian passport might be a reality for you in the future. You yourself could be living the dream in Italy, just like Jennifer has created a life for herself. Thank you for listening to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole. Feel free to connect with me on Instagram. All of my links are down below, and I will see you on the next episode.